सहनावतु सहनो भुनक्तु सह वीर्यंकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमाषावै ओ शातिशातिशाब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेश्वर गुरुरेव परम ब्रह्म तस्म श्रीगुरव नम तस्म श्रीगुरव नम वीर इन दीन्थ श्लोक हंड्रेड एंड सिक्सटी थर्ड वर्ड रिपीट आफ्टर मी वेद्यो वैद्य सदा योगी माधवो मधु अतीन्द्रियो महामायो महोत्साहो महाबल वेद्यो वैद्य सदा योगी वीर माधवो मधु अतीन्द्रिय महामाय महोत्साह महाबल वेद्य ह्यूमन मैंड ह्यूमन इंटलेक्ट इज द मोस्ट इनक्विजिटिव ऑफ ऑल दी स्पीशी क्लोजेस्ट टू ह्यूमन मैंड इज दी मंकीज मैंड it cannot sit quiet have you gone to the zoo have you ever seen a monkey sit quietly in a... it has to constantly have some agitation human mind is also like that it constantly wants to know more so if there is a factor wherein you don't know something <clears throat> or don't know someone or some environment it constantly wants to explore so we have known the earth water world space we have done research at a very macrocosmic level at a microcosmic level i think we have entered into the atom we have gone into the body we have done lot of research there is not a space there is not a uh, topic that has not been researched there is a continuous research and exploring happening <clears throat> though we try and explore 
the entire world around us, there is still one space wherein majority of us do not bother to explore that aspect and that is exploring and understanding one's own self. The human mind is the most apparently <clears throat> a difficult one to explore. It's not just difficult for the outsider to explore, even for one's own self, it's a very tricky area because we keep changing, our moods keep changing, our perspectives keep changing, our ideas and convictions keep changing, our tastes and likes and dislikes keep changing. So, with this constant dynamic changing perspective, to identify the true meaning of the self, we somewhere down the line, many of us don't start and those who start give up the very idea to explore. So, here the Paramatma's one of the names is given as Vedyaha. Vedyaha, that which is ought to be known. And what is it that, that is ought to be known? It's our own true nature. <clears throat> In Mundakopanishad, it is said, Kasminu Bhagavo Vignate Sarvam Idam Vignatam Bhavati Iti. Knowing that which everything is known. So, here in Shankara Bhashya it is said, Nishreyasa Arthibihi Vedan Arhatvat Vedyaha. That which, is known, that which is supposed to be known and knowing which everything is known. Now, here we are not talking about you know, knowing this and then you will understand mathematics or geography or philosophy, we are not talking about that. The eternal search through various things that we are searching, that because of which we are driven to search into these different fields, whether it is people around, whether it is the environment, whether it is the situation, whether it is the world that we live in, we are constantly exploring. What is it that drives us to explore? To find meaningfulness in life, purposefulness in life and to find peace, joy, contentment, satisfaction and happiness. Isn't it that what we are searching for? Whatever field that we are in, it doesn't matter. That which drives us to find that, to explore that field, is this basic urge to find that fulfillment, to find that peace within. And that can be attained if explored within. And that is our true nature. 
whether you are theistic bent of mind or you are atheistic bent of mind, it doesn't matter. Aren't we searching for that one aspect of life, that which gives us peace and happiness? That is the only thing that drives everyone to find that purposefulness. Vedya. Moving forward. Vaidya. Vaidya. Bhagavan is considered as the Bhava Samsara Roga Vaidya. I mean, the same word, but it's a different context. Somebody recently asked me, I think it was in Minneapolis, when I was recently there. What is the purpose of Chinmay Mission? So, I said, I consider Chinmay Mission as a Dhobi Ghat. Can you understand Dhobi Ghat? Dhobi Ghat means a... No, it is it, 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 the washing area. You have just removed this the impact of it. Back in India, or the rivers or lakes, there is one designated spot wherein the washer uh, washermen, you know, they take the clothes and then they they beat on the stone and they they clean thoroughly, especially the white linen. That is what they take and they bleach it and uh, hot bleach water and then they soak it in that and then you know beat it. In Maharashtra area, they have a special equipment also to beat the cloth so that the dirt is taken out. Yeah, like a bat. So similarly, I consider Chinmay Mission as a dhobi ghat. And they were all like, you know, where are you going with it? Why do you call it a Dhobi Ghat? So it is like the river of knowledge is flowing. Depending on your intensity and what aspect of yours you want to clean up, just you know, splash some water and clean your face, or dive deep within and take a complete bath, complete dip, or just wash your clothes and leave, it doesn't matter. This is that ghat wherein each one of us is given an opportunity to clean. And the reason I went with that note is that somewhere in our perception, we feel that spiritual organizations, you know, as soon as you step in, there should be these people lined up who are looking like... Uh, Almost in that you know, transcendental state or uh, uh, they are in a trance and they are welcoming you and everybody is so nice, good. But as you step in, there is a first phase of that, uh, you know, you feel everything as glorious. Then there is a second phase of disenchantment because that layer wears off. As you step in and stay there for more than a certain period, you, you start feeling that, you know, I thought this would be a better place. They are no better than me. In fact, I am better than them in most of the ways. 
if they are there in that spiritual thing for this much time, they have not changed. My point is, when does somebody go to a doctor? When you are having some ailment, whether you are coughing or you have a headache or you have some serious, you go to a doctor. To expect everybody who is uh, in a hell and hearty in the hospital is a wrong place. Right? Similarly, those who come to the altar of divinity, why do we come? I will take you another example. These days, when you go to India and visit any temple, and worth its name. There is so much of crowd. And one reason I can give you is about 1 point some billion, 1.3 or 1.4 billion population, you know, they had to go. Population has increased. But then these many people were not turning in. The majority of those who come, they don't come out of devotion. On a serious note. They don't come out of devotion. Why do they come? Because they have some issues, some problems, some agitations, some complaints, some demands. So we have problem ashtakam, demand ashtakam. We stand there and you know keep asking, demanding the Lord. And most of them come not because of devotion, but they come out of fear. Fear of all that they have done and what they could be facing, so they come in for a bargain deal. Oh Lord, I will do so much, so please excuse me for these things that I have done. And whether it works or not, the intent is that they come to that. So I had one of my very close friends, he was, he is no more uh, the priest there. He was the Siddhi Vinayak temple priest in Bombay. And uh, <laughs> just in a casual thing, I asked him, when do you find the maximum crowd into Ganesh temple? I was anticipating the answer on Ganesh Chaturthi. So he said, even Ganesh Chaturthi is on a second stage, second level. I said, then when? He said, the day before the results of exams are being announced. Not even the day before you have to go write the exams. Day before the results are being announced. That is when there is a maximum crowd. More than even Ganesh Chaturthi crowd. You know, what can God do after you have written the exams just before the results are to be announced? But the anticipation is that I have done something, you know, I don't know if I will really get through or not. You know, just nudge me over so that I will get across. There is that fear and anxiety. So we go with all these different purposes to the Lord. And why is he called Vaidya? Vaidya, a doctor. Because when we do the puja, when we do the japa, when we do the different kinds of uh, services to the Lord, 
nothing of our life will change. If we are going for that purpose that you know everything around me suddenly magically changes, it may happen in the movies. If you have seen a lot of these movies and other things on the gods and other things, suddenly something magical comes, a rays comes out. But nothing actually happens that way. Then why do this puja? Why do this kind of japa? Why do go to the temple and offer these kinds of services? Though it does not change what we have to go through, what it does change is that it strengthens our mind to face what we have to go through with a somewhat better mind frame, a balanced mindset to tackle the issue on hand. And he is called Vaidya. Vaidya, how does he give his medication? His way of giving medicines are in a totally different manner. You know, we talk about the research going on that for everybody that comes you give the dosage or medicine not knowing if it is really uh, required. You know, there are different components in a medicine if it is required for that patient or not. There is a generic one and we keep giving it. So they are talking about specifically genetic oriented medication which will go tackle the problem and in the optimum amount, Bhagwan is like that. For each one, he has the medicine. And what is the medicine? Our own experiences. Instead of looking at these experiences in terms of good or bad, success or a failure, look at it as a medicine. Now, as a doctor prescribes, how long does the prescription run? You know, they write Rx, your name, age, and then the medicine's name, and then they have one, two, three, or how many times, what kind of medication, how many days, and then at the end, if you have to have a refill, they say, repeat this as long as the symptoms last. Right? Similarly, he has this medication through our experiences. None of the experiences, whether they are success or a failure or good or bad, but they are that stepping platform for us to grow forward, progress forward. What if we don't progress? He says, repeat the loop. That particular experience, repeat it again and again. Until when? Until you perfect and learn to grow out of it, perfecting oneself at that level. So, there is no single experience that is an accident or a, a mere waste. Every single experience is to mould that individual and that is a medicine being given at that level. But instead of seeing and looking at it at that way, we start looking at, you know, tampering with it and we think we can, but usually we cannot. We have to go through it, strengthen ourselves to grow beyond it, perfecting ourselves, reaching that you know, balance within. 
and uh, each one of us when we go through what we go through don't we find that that particular uh, troubled moment is the most horrible moment that anybody could ever face at whatever level then nobody uh, it was but for me if anybody would have gone through that experience they would have been devastated i made it through don't we make that claim i was at somebody's house and their younger daughter went into the bathroom and the doors got closed from within and she couldn't reach that latch and she is a most talkative naughty girl and you would be running all over the place and suddenly the mother and father they said where is this girl they searched we were all in the living room and we start we we heard somebody crying and from the outside it could not be opened so father finally got through the outside balcony got into the uh, you know somehow got into the bathroom opened the latch got that four year old as soon as she comes out she may still have continued crying but since i was an outsider though i was living in that house for two days i was still an outsider she quickly wipes clean her eyes and she looks at me as if addressing me directly she says in my entire life nothing of this horrible ever happened <laughs> now you should look at that kid hardly 4 year old what are you talking about entire life but at that level whatever experience that we are going through it appears to be the most horrible one it almost feels like rejecting it revolting against it running away but the best path is to accept it embrace it work your way through and grow out of it until that happens we keep getting into the pattern of repetitive motion and this is one of the things that i use in my counseling sessions and the husband and wife come and they keep complaining bickering about silly little things and i mean for me it looks very silly okay from their perspective it is the most devastating thing and i tell them look there is one quick solution the quick solution is go file the papers and be done with it that's a quick solution and then i explain them this whole siddhanta of experience as an medicine do you want to continue this and you may think that you are avoiding it in this life but this is going to come back to you in another life until you perfect and move forward with that perfection do you want to repeat this experience again in next life also or be done with it in this life so they look at each other and then there is a smile i think this life itself is fine and that is why they say that marriages that you are married to the same person for seven lives now it is just an eye wash i'll tell you the truth behind it so how do you know 
not with a personal experience, with only logical approach to it. It's just an eyewash because seven is a palatable number. If we do not perfect ourselves through these different relations, interactions and environments that we are living in, it will continue for eternity. It has been continuing for eternity. No experience that we go through is an unnecessary experience. And it is not that we are trying to go through the experience for the benefit of the world. It is for our own benefit, for our own growth, for our own maturity that that opportunity is coming through. Make the best use of it and get out of it. However long we keep trying to run away from it, it's going to take an ugly form and keep coming back at us. My grandfather taught me something, which after becoming a sannyasi had to undo. So, when we would sit with him, and there is some kind of a vegetable or something which we don't like is being served, he said, eat that first. Because the moment you finish it, you can cleanse your palate and relish the later part of the food which you really love. Finish that off first. And that seemed to work very good earlier. Now, after becoming a sannyasi, it became a problematic thing. People started thinking, I don't like sweets. The first thing that I do is I eat it off so that I can end it with on a spicy note. So people started thinking that, you know, oh, this fellow likes sweet, that's why he's going for it for the first. And then again, second serving. And not just that, you know, these, these the women have this, uh, you know, faster than BBC news telecast. If I'm visiting a place, I have 21 meals. And it, it appears like, you know, the, the news travels so fast that in the next meal, I have three sweets. A meal after that, you know, another four sweets. And that is what's served in bulk. So I changed that system. Whatever you can, put it on a display. How much I want, I'll take it from there. Otherwise, my grandfather's method was the best one. Don't try to avoid it. Don't run away from it. Don't try to reject it. Take it heads on. Move through it. Grow out of it. That is how he sends the medicines. Now, instead of understanding this, we start questioning, why do I have to go through this? And it is not a wise question either. Whoever tries answering that why, do you think it will satisfy? Why did this happen to me? Can anybody give an answer to that? But rather, it should be, it happened to me. Can I move forward now? It cannot be removed, it cannot be deleted from my life. Wish, right? That in tough times, 
our life had a uh, remote control that we could press that you know ff fast forward through that tough time or going through a real gala time the pause enjoy and best aspect of that remote is it also gives you the capacity to increase the brightness that we can become bright wish we had a remote it doesn't happen that way we have to go through the experience to grow and that choice to grow is the choice of freedom that we have that is the medicine that this medicine man has vaidya sada yogi <clears throat> sada yogi the one who is eternally in yoga now this word yoga has been so popularly misused there was this guy he came to me and he said uh, what do you do so i said uh, what do you mean what i do i do lot of things what is your specific question what do you want so one of the prominent questions that comes to me as somebody who doesn't know me is do you can you predict the future can you read the horoscopes hands and you know, such things i said i have no such skill okay then uh, do you teach yoga that is the next uh, frequently asked so to this person you know, sometimes i can be really very practical prankster so this person said do you teach yoga i said yes and uh, i said when I said every sunday so we have these eight sessions and you can pick and choose any time it's a one and a half hour period so i gave him the saket address and chitrakoot address he chose to come in the saket session you know that 11:30 session he came in his tracks and you know t-shirt and <laughs> he came and sat down a first half hour like it was the prayers bhagavad gita and you know the kids chanting it so he found it little odd that you know in a yoga class you have these many people there is hardly a gap between person to person and then to his relief he found that the kids left so 80% of that hall was empty vacant so he stepped out and then he looked around nobody was getting up then he sat very you know very had stepped out and then for next half hour or 40 minutes i spoke and then opened it up for the study groups so he comes straight and said i need to talk to you i said what you said you have yoga classes you know this is not yoga but i'm sorry you had a different meaning of yoga in your mind what we just went through is also called yoga is it are you kidding no you must be kidding i am not kidding i am damn serious about it i am really confused is it that i can see <laughs> then i explained to him that in our scriptures there are four paths of yoga 
कर्मयोग भक्तियोग ज्ञानयोग ध्यान योग and the fifth one wherein that exercises is one part of it one limb of it is called ashtanga yoga what we just went through was the bhakti yoga and gnana yoga they are also yoga so i thought you are going to teach the you know yoga meaning the exercise then it is not called yoga it is called asana right so what does yoga mean yoga means not twisting and turning the body that is asana <clears throat> gurudev's classic answer was and somebody asked him do you teach yoga do you teach yoga asanas he said i believe in straightening the mind rather than twisting the body that is his unique way of answering things <clears throat> so what does yoga mean then it starts from the root word yuja yuja to join to combine to become one sada yogi the one who is in constant balance while listening to it it appears as though that it is a difficult chore to remain in balance have you ever i mean i'm sure you have learnt the cycling when you see somebody cycling and you don't know cycling it's like a wonder how can you maintain that balance that to while moving you turn and you you know how can you maintain that balance so when you start learning it so you have those uh, accessory wheels trainer wheels training wheels and then you start uh, that is not how we learned it somebody would be holding it in the back and uh, we did not have while uh, while we were learning we did not have these baby cycles we always had these big you know cycles atlas or hercules and uh, hero and these were the brands you know huge ones big ones and you stand next to it it, it is almost like your height so the first method was that they teach you scissors scissors is to put your leg through the bar and then you are doing it in a awkward angle and then when as you grow a little higher and then you start learning then probably you sit and you can't reach both sides so you go this side hit this pedal on this side come this side and hit this pedal on this side now all this while there is somebody holding it behind Uh, one fine day of all these efforts put in usually you are talking to the one holding behind you and uh, there is a conversation happening suddenly you keep speaking and you realize that the one that you are trying to speak to there is no sound there is no running behind you 
and you turn behind and turn from this side and you see nobody there. And way back in the corner of your eye, there is somebody there, where, there, there. And just that, that awareness at that moment that there is nobody holding it, 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 it sends you into that anxiety, panic mode and then you fall. Not knowing it until then you had been in a very good balance. And the moment you realize that you are not being held by somebody to support, you start losing the balance. Then once you learn the balance, first few days like you are like a maniac. At least I was. It was immaterial if it was in the early morning or afternoon or evening. Constantly on the bike, you know, you're constantly going round and round and round. It, it is a newfound joy, newfound balance. In fact, when I, the problem was that the bike was big, and uh, I told you, right, swinging on either sides to. So the actual problem was not riding the cycle, to get onto it and get off of it. So when we get to this platform and then jump on it and give yourself a push and start, the easy one was the starting. Stopping was a problem. So somewhere you know, in those lanes, you know, two, three houses or two, three lanes away if there is a construction site. And usually construction site has a uh, mound of uh, the sand. So you go there into that crash land <laughs> because you you apply the brake, you don't have that height to really jump off and get to that balance. So the best part was you know you go slowly and then relieve yourself onto that mound of sand and from there pull it back to your house. And even after years of practice or lack of practice, you get onto one, the balance is automatically there. Now once you have become an expert, expertise is to ride that with balance in spite of the traffic, especially when you are talking of traffic, Indian traffic. There is no rhyme, rhythm or logic to the movement of traffic. If you want to share some fun, go to YouTube and find Indian traffic signal or Indian traffic intersections. You will find these amazing videos that the buses are coming, they have their own uh, you know, timing, the cars are coming, they have their own timing. In between the cycle wallas also. In spite of all that, the ability to strike that balance, once you have learnt it, once it has become your nature, it is not a chore, it is not a difficult process at all. Similarly, Sada Yogi, to be in that constant balance. Some might think that it is the most boring. I tell you that once you reach that balance, that is when we understand true living. Until then what we are doing is struggling. We have not been living. We have been human doings, 
not human beings. When we strike this balance within Sada Yogi and join to that core of our own being, that is when we start being a human being, start living a true sense of meaningful life. Sada Yogi. Viraha. <clears throat> Viraha, the one who destroys Vira. It's a very strange meaning, strange word to use. You kill Rakshasas, I can understand. You kill the Daityas, I can understand. You kill the demons, you kill all these bad people, I can understand. You name the Lord as the one who kills the heroes, destroys the heroes. Destroys the Veera, the warrior. Who is this hero? Do we consider ourselves as a zero or a hero? So you got the answer. Veeraha. The one who destroys that one who is claiming himself or herself as the hero. And who is that? The ego. Now when you come to the Lord, come with an understanding. When you come to a Guru, come with an understanding. Why have we approached? Why have we reached? To find peace and happiness. And who is the one who is constantly creating that restlessness in us? It is not the world. It is our ego which is the cause for all of this. When you go to a doctor, <clears throat> don't you go expecting good health as a result? Or do you go there for getting some pep talk? No, health is, you know, just leave it. And let's talk about something motivating. What do you go for? You don't care about the pep talk. Say, get me rid of this disease as soon as possible. Let me be normal again. Isn't that the reason? If there is a medication that takes, say, two weeks and versus the other medication which has slight side effects, no, but it takes about five days. Which one do you prefer? Even though your doctor is a more conventional, uh, orthodox kind who says, you know, it is better to go with this for a longer run so that you rebuild your immunity than taking this quick one. You will say, no, I need the quicker one. Let me get rid of it as soon as possible. Isn't that the intent? Why then, when we come to the Lord, when we come to the altar of divinity, when we come to the Guru, that our focus is so devastatingly wrong? The purpose of reaching to the feet of a master or the feet of the Lord is so that we work on this stupid entity called ego. To chip that layers of ego to its finer details to remove it constantly. 
See, when you when there is a, a boulder, a stone taken by a sculptor, what does the sculptor do? He starts giving it a, a vague shape to it in the beginning. He starts using the hammer. And with every stroke of it, think as a stone. You would probably be resisting. If you had feet, you would be running away. Because it's a painful process to chip off. And then starts taking a chisel and using it for finer details. Starts hammering it in. A, a generic shape has come in. Then, do you think the process is done? No. Then comes the difficult part. More difficult than going through the hammer and chisel is the sandstone, not sandstone, sandpaper treatment. Starts using the sandpaper on that stone. Have you ever used a sandpaper? Even on wood, it takes effort to smoothen it out. Imagine on a stone. And that's why these days they don't use sandpaper, they use a a polishing machine. But the true shine, and those who are you know, orthodox in the sculptors, they say the true shine comes out in the manual uh, sandpapering. And when you start sandpapering it, that particular stone would have been feeling such a torture. After having gone through such painful process of torture, then comes the beauty out. Viraha, when we reach to the altar of divinity, trying to connect to that core within, anything that comes in between that connection has to be cut aside. And what is it that comes in between? It's our own ego. That hero has to be destroyed. Viraha. Madhavaha. If you remember, about dozen shlokas earlier, we had read this very word, Madhavaha. There we had interpreted it as the meaning of the husband of Lakshmi. Here, the same meaning is given a, a different meaning is Dhava remains the same, the Lord. Lord of what? Ma also means Vidya or Saraswati. So, he is the Lord not just of Lakshmi, but also the Lord of Saraswati. Now, all these are nothing but Shaktis. If you remember that time, I had given the explanation that the, the consorts of the divinity are not to be seen as the wives, but they are his Shakti, they are his capacities. And that is why we have these gods, multiple god forms, not uh, a single one, multiple god forms or multiple divinities or consorts because they are his capacities or shakti. So, Madhava, the one 
who is the very uh, owner of knowledge. So, how does that viraha, how does that ego get killed? Through knowledge. Now, the problem that the ego exists is a wrong conviction. Wrong conviction or an idea. In Sanskrit, it is called avidya or ignorance. Now, if ignorance is the root cause for all our restlessness and unhappiness and miserable state of our existence, how do we remove avidya? When the cloth has a stain, there are different stain removers. If there is, so you use nail polish and the nail polish has to go in coordination with the kinds of clothes that you are wearing. My observation only, just bear with me. So, you usually use that color which can go with most of them, but sometimes there is some specific color. So, what do you do with the existing color? Do you take a blade or something and scrub it? How do you remove it? There is a nail polish remover. That is a stain on that nail and you remove it with the nail polish remover. What is it? Acetone, right? Right. Acetone and then you remove it with that. If there is, say, oil on your cloth, what do you use? Supposing you are cooking and there is some oil that fell on your cloth or you are having a, a puja and for the altar you had put a beautiful sari and the oil spilt on that sari. What do you do? So, first use the talcum powder which sucks away all the oil and then use the soap. Experience bata sunlo. Uh, once I was, when I was in NCC, had a, a little cut and the blood had fallen on the uniform. And the uniform was supposed to be maintained nicely. So, uh, in the uniform, the shoes have to shine and the uniform has to have the, and having that blood on it would be difficult to remove and that stain uh, during the camp time in that NCC, it is a difficult thing. So, the senior, he said, the best way to remove, do you know what it is to remove? Uh, hydrogen peroxide, where do you go get it now in an NCC camp, some wilderness? So, the stain remover is your own saliva. It has that anti-coagulant. I may be using a wrong word. It is alkaline. So, when you apply it, the blood gets diluted. That is the stain remover. 
So, for each kind of a stain, there is a different kind of a stain remover. Right? Now, with ignorance, how do you remove ignorance? If you run around the temple doing Pradakshina, that marathon race around the temple is called Pradakshina. Does the ignorance go away? By chanting and repeating the name of the Lord. It's almost like uh, trying to remove hunger by reading through the recipe book. When you are really hungry, you are given a recipe book. Does it remove hunger? Or reading through them and beautiful photographs, does it really you know, create more of that craving and desire to eat? Reading through will not remove hunger. How do you remove that ignorance then? By putting different decoration marks on your forehead, three lines, single lines, dotted lines, white, chandan color, whatever, sandalwood color or the red color or different kinds of designer wear clothes. The first time when I had been, first month or so when I had been taken to Starbucks, there were these 11th, 12th graders, I think, high schoolers who were in that Starbucks and they were, I know they were talking about me, I could hear it. Though they were whispering, I could hear it. So I turned around and I said, are you guys talking about me? So they were like, you know, mm. so one girl uh, nodded her head, uh, yeah, sorry, kind of. I said, no, are you talking about the clothes that I am wearing? And because uh, I heard all that, uh, meekly they said yes. So I said, do you know who has designed these clothes? This one of a kind designer wear by Varsachi. They were like, really? <laughs> How does it matter, man? The point is, wearing this kind of specific clothes, Orange color, white color, yellow color, do you think is going to remove avidya? Some people have long hair, some people have a shaven head, do you think it's going to remove avidya? In the name of spirituality, I will follow fasting. By fasting, is it going to remove avidya? How can ignorance be removed? By knowledge. Right? No other method will remove ignorance. As soon as you step into this hall, when the lights are not turned, what will be there? Darkness. How do you remove that darkness? Let us try. Tomorrow when you come, I will keep it dark. Can we bleach the darkness out? Powerful bleach and spray it around. Do you think darkness will go away? Or bring in a couple of powerful vacuum suckers. 
सक दी डार्कनेस आउट इंटेंशन इज राइट बट द मोड एंड मेथड अप्लाइड इज रॉन्ग सिमिलरली टू रिमूव इग्नोरेंस विच इज द सोल कॉज फॉर ऑल आर मिजरीज इज टू हैव दैट विद्या देर फोर ही इज कॉल्ड माधव माधव the one who is the very form of knowledge the one who is the very uh, expression of knowledge madhava it's only with that knowledge that all the earlier convictions can be removed wiped away clean now having said this let me also put a disclaimer therein that puja japa or all these different spiritual practices ritual practices that we have have their certain place in it purposefulness in it i am not downplaying them i am not trying to say that they are not necessary there is a meaning and purpose why we do what we do but that will not give knowledge that will not remove ignorance its purpose is different some other platform we can discuss that but he is called the very form of knowledge madhava by attaining this knowledge what do you get madhuhu madhu i think it is only in our language wherein paramatma is described as sweetness have you heard of madhurashtakam आधरम मधुरम चलितम मधुरम वमनम मधुरम गमनम मधुरम हसितम मधुरम मधुराधिपते अखिलम मधुरम ओ लॉर्ड ऑफ स्वीटनेस दव आर्ट स्वीटनेस फ्रॉम ऑल पर्सपेक्टिव पीपल यूज टू से हाउ स्वीट my pj on that was do you know how sweet they are i don't bite human beings <laughs> i haven't tasted them so you don't actually have to bite what do you mean by that sweetness in a person then that there is some you know sweetness that you experience within not on your taste buds the sweetest of all of them the most pleasant the most peaceful of the experiences of all of them is this experience of knowledge why it has two effects one it is the most unburdening the first thing that we get is a relief relief from that which have been suffocating from that is the first effect of knowledge what kind of relief say you are in a march past or a you know band band is something which is common here right and you are uh, you are in the band and uh, while walking a little small you know very tiny little grain of sand went into your shoe and you could not stop and it was a 2 3 hour band session 
and you have to continuously stand, walk, and that little grain of sand or pebble inside has been rubbing in, and it has been such a discomfort. As soon as the band session is over, what do you immediately do? You don't even get off the ground. The immediate thing, take your shoe off and you know dust it off. And then when you wear it, how do you feel? Relieved. I give more, uh, I, I usually give a more caustic example. Say you are driving back from Houston. What highway do you take? 45. You just had your meals and started off. And after driving for 45-50 minutes, you are eagerly waiting for a rest area. You know for what? Obvious reasons. And you see the sign. As you approach close by, they say this rest area is closed. Ouch. And if you have been going in that route a couple of times, you know that the next rest area is probably another 30 miles down or 40 miles down. And you know, I can't wait that long. So the next available gas station. And after that visit, when you step back into your car, how do you feel? Refreshed, rejuvenated, relieved. Right? First impact of Vidya. What is it? Relief. Unburdened. That is one aspect of Madhu. And the second aspect of Madhu means to find that sweetness. And that is why the spouses probably call each other in this country as honey. To remind each other that, you know, please let us give each other sweetness rather than what we are sharing right now. Let us be sweet unto each other. Honey. Say something really, say, I love you, honey. Nowadays, even honey has become long word. They have shortened it. I love you, hun. And the anticipation is that that madhu, <coughs> madhu meaning that sweetness. So what we experience within is that sweetness. That is the experience of Paramatma or the, the Divine within our own heart. Do not try to experience it through any organs of perception, action, mind or intellect. Why? Atindriya. This experience is so subjective, so uh, independent of any processing through the organs of perception, action, mind or intellect. Therefore, 
the experience of divinity cannot be called as a conviction it cannot be called a feeling i am feeling paramatma i am feeling god it cannot be a feeling feeling is still under the realm of mind it cannot be seen perceived through the organs of perception action because all of them have their own limitations it is when you transcend this body mind and intellect that transcendental is the experience of that sweetness within madhu within atindriya <clears throat> Mahamaya, Mahamaya, Master or the Lord of all Maya. See, in Vedanta, we use these two terms, and often we get confused between these two terms as synonyms. One word is Mithya, and the second word is Maya. Are they both same? They are not same, they are separate. Mithya means illusion. Mithya means the delusion actually, which leads to a lot of illusions. Mithya is delusion. And Mithya is a negative aspect of our personality that we have to grow out of. Whereas Maya is the inseparable Shakti of Paramatma. Now, when you look at yourself at an individual level, while you define yourself, you know, in your resume and other things, you define yourself. What are you skilled at? So we write down various skill sets, don't we? Other than the main, you know, the job that you are applying for, what else are you good at? So you, you write down a list of your hobbies and interests. That I am a good public speaker, I am a good singer, I am a good dancer, I am good at this, this, this. Right? So those are our skills. Now those skills, are they separate from us? Like I have this capacity or ability, I think I can speak, right? Can I separate that speaking away from me? I can exist without speaking. My existence does not get hurt when I stop speaking. I can exist without speaking. But if I have to express, I have to express through my speech. Similarly, Mahamaya, Maya is his Shakti. Shakti cannot live independent of Paramatma. Paramatma is Shaktiman, Mahamaya, Shaktiman. He cannot, I mean, Shakti cannot exist independent of Paramatma. But when that Paramatma has to express himself as this multitude of this universe, he expresses through and as Maya. 
महामायह दैट इनसेपरेबल शक्ति ऑफ हिस थ्रू विच ही एक्सप्रेसेस सो माया इज डिपेंडेबल वेरिएबल ऑन परमात्मा परमात्मा इज इंडिपेंडेंट ऑफ इट बट कैन एक्सप्रेस ओनली थ्रू हिस शक्ति एंड देर फोर दे आर इनसेपरेबल्स महामायह महोत्साह वंस वी अंडरस्टैंड दिस एंटायर क्रिएशन एज ए शक्ति एंड ही द वन हु इज बिहोल्डिंग दिस शक्ति महोत्साह वंस दैट एक्सपीरियंस इज डन एवरी मोमेंट इन लाइफ देन बिकम्स अ सेलिब्रेशन बिकॉज it is that great inspiration that we have connected with utsah such individual does not need somebody to motivate them to live their life but they have constant flow of inspiration from within we only have perspiration in search of an inspiration we strive a lot but we do half hearted but here having connected to that core within having connected to that shakti within every moment of such individuals expression is a utsah utsah a great enthusiasm inspiration flowing out see there are three words that i would like to introduce one is called instigation in the court of law what does instigation how how is it defined lawyer ji so in the court of law the one who caused some kind of one who is done the mischief versus the one who caused the one to do the mischief to do that who gets more punishment the one who is instigating them both instigated both equally get punished right so instigation is used usually in the negative connotation the second word is motivation that when you see something you know which is not very usual you see something and you feel the enthusiasm you hear something you hear some story or somebody's uh, you know it it the enthusiasm there is a surge of it and one of the frequently asked questions even in the spiritual platforms is when we listen to it we feel uh, an inspiration or an, uh, an enthusiasm that after a few days we go back to the square one why because we are motivated and that enthusiasm is not born by a cause from within it is born because it is bought from the external factor so instigation motivation 
the third one is inspiration now what is inspiration when that person is connected within and that person has the connection the clarity and the commitment then that person's expression is constantly inspired and such inspired one in spite of various things happening that could become a stumbling block in their life will find the method to overcome that and still keep going have we hit that connection with it have we met that core connection within wherein every step forward in life is an inspired moment of expression or do we feel <sighs> thank god it is friday today is friday right i go back from this lecture saturday sunday and then again after sunday is done it is not just monday it is called monday blues oh god monday again thank god it is friday it is oh god monday again and sometimes we just in a tuesday and we are yearning for wish it was a friday evening and doesn't it happen yes every day seems to be like a chore such an uphill task because we have not connected with ourselves within and the day we connect it is called mahotsah then we find that strength mahabala these are all different names of that paramatma who is our own atma who is our own core within mahabala mahabala the greatest strength and that greatest strength is from within never from without vedyo vaidyas sadayogi viraha madhavo maduhu atindriyo mahamayo mahotsaho mahabalaha so with this 18th shloka I think we went through it atindri that which is beyond the indriyas body mind and intellect the organs of perception organs of action mind and intellect they are limited in their own level and through them we cannot therefore paramatma is not a conviction paramatma is not a feeling paramatma is not something which is perceived or approached through the organs of perception and action did we go through that yeah, that is called atindriya no the one who is beyond indriya not indriya indra here it is atindriya in the earlier shloka that is atindra 
here it is atindriya so we stop here at the 18th shloka and we will continue this next month no it is not there tomorrow uh, can't say that i have travels so let us conclude with the shanti bhata ओम पूर्णमदह पूर्णमिदम पूर्णात पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्यते ओम शांत शांत शांति हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम